Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Matt Phelan. I am co-founder of a business called The Happiness Index. You are listening to Happiness and Humans. I am here with Andrew. Hello, Andrew. How you doing, Matt? I'm good. I'm good. How's um, how's life? No, life's good. I'm really excited to be doing the return leg because yeah. it, it was great to have you on our podcast. And all the feedback was brilliant in terms of some of the data and trends you serve. So, yeah, thanks for having us on. Thank you. And we're going to get back. We're going to come back to the return leg in a bit because it is related to why I've got you on, Andrew. Um, but please, please introduce yourself to our guests, our guests, our listeners. <laughs> our listeners, yeah. Yes. So hello, guests and listeners. Um, I'm Andrew McCaskill. I'm the founder of an organisation called Executive Career Jump. Um, we've been going for a couple of years with a clear objective, which is to end career-based misery. So we help people who are job searching or looking to get more fulfillment or looking to pivot, set up their own business, whatever it might be, to align who they are with what they're doing and to help them go and get that. And I was recently named the 2021 LinkedIn Changemaker for Careers and Unemployment. So we get involved with a lot of stuff on that front too. Brilliant. And we definitely want to come back to that, Andrew. But we need to know, we, our listeners need to know what what makes our guests happy what ma what makes you happy andrew what makes me happy is um at a philosophical level aligning who i am with what i'm doing so, whether that in work or out of work i think that's that's kind of the guiding north star that that would drive any happiness into my world so i want to test this right Go on. if you so I, when you said that i'm like I'm, I'm well on board with that i love it um i just went away with my co-founders to do it okay if 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 we'd gone back 15 years and we met like we did a bit of Bill and Ted and we met our younger selves the younger me probably would have been like what are you talking about and not understood it what would would, would the younger of you got it or what what would they think you were talking about not at all no I was chasing the next Rolex and I would have been the biggest detractor in the room probably laughing at the fluff that was being discussed at, at the front but I think um I think it's a positive that the likes of you and I are having these conversations now and it has it has become more mainstream albeit we've got a way to go so um the reason I asked you on is uh, as we said we did a we did a we had a fun chat on on your podcast where we got to geek out on happiness data and so on but you put this big klaxon up there around how you got fired um and I was like wow we need to get into that because a lot of people talk about getting fired as the worst thing that could ever happen to them and you were talking about it like I, I don't want to ruin your funder almost like an epiphany moment so can you just talk us through how getting fired is is a good thing yeah no of course and um before i go into my own story i've also seen this with other people right whereby um we've had to part company for whatever reason and it's been difficult at the time but later down the line whether that's 18 24 months whatever it might be you might bump into those people and quite often they'll come up and they'll say, do you know what? Thank you. That was actually a redirection I didn't know I needed. And I didn't have the bravery to make the move myself. And I'm really appreciative of the fact that you intervened at that stage. So I don't I don't think it's anything particularly unique to me. But my own story is for um, five years, I was the MD of an executive search business. We had 85 people in five countries. I was a minority shareholder and um, we were growing and we were doing well and we were taking a bit of a challenger position and having a lot of fun. But underneath all of that, despite the sensatory holidays in the four by four on the drive, I was pretty miserable and had been for a long time. Um, even though in the eyes of you know, society, my colleagues, what I was doing was supposed to be aspirational, mm -hmm. but it didn't feel it at all for whatever reason. 
Um, and I think that comes back to values alignment and everything that we spoke about at the start. So one day I got a text message five years in to go to a hotel um, the day before the 2019 kickoff meeting that we'd arranged where everyone was coming and we we're going to do the big vision, mission, values bit for the year ahead. And uh, that was the end. And what had happened was a deal had happened behind the scenes. We'd got blindsided a little bit. And uh, due to a mixture of naivety and, yeah, it, lack of experience, I guess, we ended up sidelined and and being fired. And, and it was a really, really difficult process. Uh, my wife was caught up in it as well as the group financial controller. So our whole household got fired within an hour. Um, and then we kind of had this grieving process to go through, which a lot of people do. You know, the usual mix of kind of denial and anger and stress, and it would kind of wash over you. It is a grieving process, getting made redundant or losing your job in that way. Um, but ultimately, we came out the other side of that and decided to actually go off and continue to help people um, with their own transitions and their own career-based wow. based misery and try and reframe it. And here we are two years later. I just want to get into that because I, I didn't know the bit about your wife. So. Yeah. You've got, um, you've obviously got, you've got an eight, eight-year-old son, and so on. Like, how, how does that? Because as you say, that's like a double hit. Like, how did, did did you discuss that with children? What, like, what did you do when you got home? Like, I'm, I'm getting into detail here, but I'm, I think there's a lot of people who are probably listening and probably thinking that must have been a pretty, some tough conversations. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really tough, and we were in a. You know, we were in a privileged position that some others aren't, right? So I think there's some perspective that's got to go there. But we had children who were six and three. So there was the security element. That was one part of it. But it was bigger than that. It was more like, without getting too dramatic, it was almost like an entire existential crisis because it was like, what was all that for? What was all that for? What was that five years for? You know, the hard work, the extra hours, the traveling all over Europe, the, um, the moments where I missed stuff at school because I couldn't get home from London in time. Like, what was all that investment for if this is if this was the result? Like this was not the dream I was sold as part of the journey that I was paying into. And so it it was a lot, lot bigger than that. And there was a lot of self-discovery. But between the two of us pulling together and and launching this business and then serving others, there's nothing more therapeutic than serving others in your own point of need. It's yeah. good. It's good for your well-being. It's good for your self-concept. And the more we served others and found out how many others were dealing with similar transitions, the business started to grow, the brand started to grow. And then through absolutely no strategic brilliance and pure luck, four or five months later, the pandemic hit. And what we were doing went from something that was not hugely in demand to all of a sudden being you yeah. know, hugely in demand as everyone started to question their careers or hit the job market. So we got in the end, we got very, very fortunate with our timing. So if you've got if you've got someone now, right, and and they do they let's use your phrasing, they're miserable at work. Yes. Like what what are the first step? Like what? Because my my take of, of your conversation, you know, where you said you've you've had to have that conversation with people, and then they thanked you eighteen months, two years. My take on it is quite often that when people are miserable, it's not good for anyone, including themselves and the business they're in, and they're not performing to their best. So. There's probably some early warning signs there, but how do you get in front of this? Like, how do you be proactive rather than waiting to get fired? I'm, I'm hoping you've got some advice for us on that, Andrew. Yeah, no, definitely. I, ideally, you, you do want to break out of the self-imposed prison that we create for ourselves, which continues that misery within our career, right? So um, 
where you can, you want to find the courage to do that and to feel more in control of the situation and a bit more intentional around what you're doing rather than just waiting for wait, waiting for the judgment one day when it's not in your control. So, so what can people be thinking about? Well, for a start, I think a really good exercise is to do a career timeline just for clarity in terms of your career today, map it out in terms of the dates that you've done and then plot your fulfillment at each point on that timeline and also note any major life events during that timeline so that you can start to really get a feel for your career today and where you've been most fulfilled, but also cross-referencing that with what was going on in your life. So, so at the moment, we're going backwards in time, are we, Andrew? Yep. So at the moment, we're going backwards in time. Yep. So there's a reflection bit. Once you've done the reflection, there's then a research bit. So there's three R's we use, which is reflection, um, research, and reorientation, right? So reflection, career timeline, see where you've been most fulfilled, see where life events affect you, et cetera, trying to help you get a bit of clarity in terms of the past. Then a bit of research pit. So this is about the options, right? So we like doing things like the Ikigai exercise or various other things to get people's brain working through, right? What are my options? And asking yeah. re really challenging questions such as, um, who are you jealous of and why? You know, things like that. Like je yeah. jealous, jealousy is an interesting, envy is an interesting emotion when you drill down on it. Um, and asking about, you know, if someone's to type your name into Wikipedia in 2025, what would you want it to say about you? Let's write that paragraph. Let's yeah, work out yeah, what yeah. Wikipedia, you know, these kind of visioning and research exercises. I have, I, have, I have to stop the interview and ask you that then, Andrew. If someone was to write your Wikipedia entry in, in five years' time, what would you want it to say? I'd, I'd want it to say that I'd made a meaningful difference in people's career fulfillment and the executive career jump had had a global impact that that's absolutely what we'd want it to say love it let's get back to these stages because i'm really enjoying it but I, I couldn't i couldn't let that go no, no problem and i've written that wikipedia slide by the way brilliant for myself yeah. um so we've done our research um talking to other people that you know maybe made the move that you've wanted and another really good tip for anyone doing that research is to take references on yourself so actually to go back to previous bosses mm -hmm. and colleagues and take a reference on yourself almost like a 360 feedback the reason that's important, Matt, is because some of the stuff that we're brilliant at is kind of innate to us. And we might struggle to articulate that as part of a value proposition or even know that we're good at it. And and the things that come up, so you, you might go back to some of your previous colleagues and say, you know, what am I good at? Thinking they're gonna say data, strategy and yeah. management. And they might go, well, do you know what, Matt? Actually, you build trust really quickly. That's what's great about you. Yeah. You go, oh, really? What do you mean by that? And it's like, well, you just build trust quickly. You're really open. And you do, by the way, I think that from the couple of times that we've met. So it's it's kind of unearthing what makes you you, what options are available to you. As I say, I'm a big fan of the Akiga and other exercise. And then you're into reorientation, right? So then you're into a go-to-market. Yeah, you've got to tell us about this Ikigai. Is it the Ikigai exercise? Is that what? Yeah. Because you, you keep, you, it sounds amazing. We don't know what it is. Tell, tell right. us about that as well. Yeah, so the Ikigai exercise is a Japanese um, process, which is it's, it's a very hard thing to um, to translate. It's a little bit like the Huga um piece that we were talking about in terms of happiness and and the danish uh, culture but the ikigai broadly speaking is is centered around purpose but it's a pragmatic approach to identifying your purpose and aligning your career with it because there's basically four elements to it there's what the world needs so you work out what the world needs there's then what am i good at yeah. and then that goes in there what can i get paid for so what you know there's no there's no point doing something yeah. that the world needs and you're good at if, if you can't get paid for um and you build you build it you build it all up and you work through this process and in the middle of all of these questions is essentially your own ikigai which is a purpose-built career that will be well aligned to you and and hopefully drive success so a question that comes up a lot when we speak to people is their partners 
Yeah. Key stakeholders in all of this, right? Yes. How do you, you, I mean, you were just chucked into it with your partner as in, because you were both in that same situation at the same time. People have got busy lives. They might be raising kids, careers, all this kind of stuff. How do you get your, your partner involved in this? Because because sometimes people are blessed with really supportive partners. Some people are not. Some don't get it. Like, well, I, I suppose, A, should you get your partner involved? And B, if you should, how how should you get them involved? Yeah, you, sh- you, sh- you should ha- absolutely get your partner involved for sure. Um, so my wife is a chartered accountant. Yeah. Um, and it's far more risk averse than me. Yeah. And so I also knew by going this route, that I was going to be causing her a lot of anxiety because her one of her core values is security, is certainty, yeah. is control, is process. I'm the opposite. I want to throw it all on red and give it a go yeah. and see what we can do. Um, and and in many ways, I think that's healthy, right? Like having that that mix of risk taking versus ensuring security and making sure you're not reckless. I think it's healthy. But yeah, there's. I, th- I think you've got to have a joint acceptance of where you're at right now and almost doing without actually doing this process like doing a swap on your combined lives where you're at your combined careers who's happy at what who's not happy at what how are we doing at home how are we doing financially how are we doing um in terms of our jobs and then creating that wikipedia vision that 2025 together it's a shared vision and for me it is very much a shared vision you know it was really important to me that rather than zoe going and getting a permanent job to manage our risk that she came all in on me with this journey because I, I wanted to do it together so I think it has to be shared I think it has to be open I think it's difficult and I think you have to respect the fact that your partner probably has a different risk appetite to you either more or less or whatever it might be yeah and there's a lot of a lot of loneliness out there as well so there's people who haven't got haven't potentially got a partner or someone close to speak to about this and this is quite big stuff like because you, you like Let's imagine your wife who, let's imagine if she was single, chartered accountant, gone through this career, like these are big things to suddenly decide to do. What what if you don't live with someone or got someone around you to talk to? Any advice on where you could start speaking to people about or where yeah. to go? Yeah, well, certainly there's, I mean, there's never been more um, content available to access, right? So I think that's that's the first thing is whether you're on YouTube or LinkedIn or whatever it might be, there's never been more content available. I also think LinkedIn in particular has, not fully, but to an extent is democratizing networking and is democratizing marketing and the ability for you to access um, thought leaders in your space, people for advice, network. So the place I would go if you are on your own trying to navigate all of this would be LinkedIn. I would start approaching people that have already made the move that you've made. I'd send them a voice note because voice notes get three times the response to written notes. And then I would see what comes back. I would also start creating content that's aligned with your values or running polls that are aligned with your values and getting insights and data from LinkedIn to help guide your thinking. Mm, that's that, that, I mean, that there's a there's a lot in there. So I'm, I'm processing a lot of that, Andrew, because I think there's a lot of people that are going to be listening that I think what you've done in my head is, there's a lot of people who are just the, even the thought of changing when you're in misery is almost making you more miserable because you're thinking, oh, it's fine, it's fine, fine for Andrew's got his podcast and everything now. So what what I love about it is you've broken it down into different stages, and I'm going to try and replay it to to make to see if I, you see that I've understood it. Which is first we go back and we look at the previous part of our career, um, and we almost do like a mini audit of it, and then we play that forward, and through that process 
we start to speak to people to make that feel like it can actually become real is that is have, have i understood that or have i missed a key element to it no i think that's exactly what it is um to understand that it can become real and and particularly the self-referencing and things like that it's also to remind yourself of the value that you've got to bring yeah. i think i think when you're you know imposter syndrome is common the inner critic drives up when you're not happy at work you can yeah. have a confidence crisis so i think that self-referencing i mean one thing that's a brilliant thing to do if you are feeling miserable in your job right now and you're like this week you know i don't want to feel as miserable is to take on some mentees so if you're a little bit further on in your career um you know for example you know say zoe was a um a, a single mum in in finance for her to take on some mentees who are maybe 10 15 years younger but in a similar situation and to be there for them again that idea of giving during your own moment of need is fantastic for your self-concept and for for your confidence and I think you've got to ask yourself as well am I willing to accept some temporary uncertainty as opposed to long-term misery because I think too many of us are accepting job misery for job security right and we will will stay miserable rather than than taking that leap so I, I think you need to keep asking yourself that you know am I willing to accept just some temporary uncertainty to avoid long-term misery and I think we spoke about that on your podcast, isn't it? It's the difference between like short-term joy versus sustainable happiness. Correct. Which is, as you described yourself in the past, like a four by four, a nice four by four might give you a bit of joy, but ultimately it's not what's going to make you happy. So people often chase those things. They think they're going to make them happy and, and, and they get there. But so next next problem that I'm trying to get my, I'm trying to get my, trying to speak to the listeners of this podcast as much as I can and one of the barriers I'm imagining that, that that they will have is is the recruitment industry can be quite bad at pigeonholing you. So again, let's let's keep let's keep up the career of this single accountant. Um, they've they've done accountancy really well for 12, 15 years, um, and they've decided they want to move those skills into some kind of like sports events company. Yep. Um, they don't want to set it up themselves because they are more risk averse, but they want to become like a key person in that leadership team. But they're going out to recruiters and they just keep getting back job descriptions for chartered accountants. But they want to break into the sports events industry because they've mapped it out. They used to love sports. They realize they've not done any sports for 15 years um, and they want to change that. How do we stop ourselves getting like typecast if actors would probably say, wouldn't they, or, or, or pigeonholed? Have you got any advice on that, Andrew? Yeah, loads. And we've been helping a lot of people over the last couple of years to make those kind of transitions because there's been a lot of people, you know, through no fault of their own in travel, in leisure, et cetera, who've been very negatively and unfairly affected by everything that's happened, right? They've had to make the ultimate sacrifice that society has needed in order to get us through a very difficult pandemic period. And so we've been helping them reframe their skills and position themselves to, you know, go into the K economies, which are on the way up rather than on the way down. Um, so how do we do that? Very good question. First of all, you've got to just get some foundations in place. So the first foundation you've got to get in place is to nail those what often get called transferable skills, right? So what this means is, as let's use our accountancy example, is going through your CV and your LinkedIn profile and first of all, removing any industry jargon that's not going to make sense to the events industry. So if the, if the whole way through there, you're talking about trial balance, working capital, um, you know, liquidity ratios, et cetera, yeah. it's going to look like gobbledygook to the people that you're looking to attract. So the yeah. first thing we've got to do is go through and take any jargon out. The next thing is a transferable skills process of saying, 
do a bit of self-referencing, do a bit of reflection, work out what you're doing currently, but then translate that almost like a Google translator for your new audience. So rather than, rather than it saying audio, rather than it saying audit, which is the finance version, it's like, well, yeah. what am I, what am I actually doing when I'm auditing? Well, it's like, well, I'm able to look under the lid of um, operations and find things that make them work better. Well, that sounds pretty good for events, doesn't it? Totally. You know, yeah. so so you want to go for every single skill you've got and then Google translate it for your new market so that it meets their pain rather than meeting the uh, requirements of the old industry you're in. Um, once you've done that, from a go-to-market point of view, um, from a CV perspective, you want to have a functional CV rather than a chronological CV because that's all about getting your CV um, skills and your achievements right up the top rather than just your career history. So you've reframed it again for your audience for relevance. Um, um, but then you want to go to market in a way which is going to increase your hit rate. So recruiters are going to be the lowest possible hit rate. Um, having ran recruitment teams, I can tell you, we weren't paid to send a whole shortlist of wildcards. And if yeah. we were if we were asked, go and get people with five-year sports events industry, and we came back with a shortlist of accountants, we wouldn't get the next search. So um, whilst, whilst recruiters are a legitimate channel, they're unlikely to be the best channel. I would say you've really got to be taking yourself to market in a, a more direct way. Mm-hmm. So the, f- the first thing I would do, there's loads of ways you can do that, but one really great tip using LinkedIn as a, a data pool is if you go into LinkedIn, I would do a search on current, in- so I'd write the word director, and then I do current industry sporting events, and then I do previous employer, and I type in PwC, KPMG, Deloitte, um, and Pricewaterhouse, or which is the same as PwC, isn't it? Who's the other one? KPMG, Deloitte, Ernst Young, right? So like the big four, whoever, accountants. Or you could go down to qualifications and click ICAEW so that you get accountants that are now in the sports industry. Love it. Now, the, the reason we're doing that is because now we're yeah. finding people that have already made the transition that we're looking to make, and then we can approach them using that angle, and they understand our experience in a way that people who haven't been where we've been don't. Love it. You really do know what you're talking about, Andrew. <laughs> I'm learning loads here. This is amazing. <laughs> Good. Um, so let's let's flip it around, right? Let's let's be the um, let's be the person who's interviewing people now. Um, we we know we've got the great resignation going on. There's huge fight for talent, and let's let's stop picking on accountants trying to move out their career at the moment. We've got a sports person um, that is trying to get into accountancy. Okay, so I, I don't want to as type to typecast accountants. So we're interviewing, um, we're interviewing, we're in a big accountancy firm and we're trying to bring new, new talent in and we, we, we don't want to just end up with the same CVs, um, but we also need to make sure people are qualified and so on. Have you, because again, a lot of the listeners to this show will be HR directors and so on. Have you got any advice the other way around on how the interviewer can be bringing people through the pipeline? I hate calling it a pipeline, that's horrible, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Pipeline sounds a bit transactional, yeah. doesn't it? but um, yeah, no, love to. Uh, absolutely love to talk about this. And we've, we've got a um, we're presenting a, a, a talk for CBRE, the property guys on Thursday on this exact topic on how do you get the right people in and up within your organization during the current talent crunch. So we've done a lot of work on this now at a, a philosophical level. If you use the acronym search, S-E-A-R-C-H, that's kind of there's 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 six different elements there which people tend to assess people on. So you've got skills, you've got experience, um, you've got attitude, 
you've got results, you've got cognitive ability and habits, right? So you've got these six things. Now, the big challenge, I think, Matt, in terms of how people are traditional hired, traditionally hired is we tend to focus way too much on the skills, yeah? We tend to focus way too much on the experience and way too much on the results. And the trouble with those things is they're all backward facing. So they're all about the past. And based on how much the world is changing and, the, and, and what we're seeing right now, the past is no longer the best predictor of future success. So this kind of, in my view, outdated and generic competency-based interviewing based on the past and based around those three things, is not gonna help your, um, it, it's not gonna help you get diversity for a start and it's also not gonna help your business progress. So what we need to be focusing is the other three elements I mentioned, which was attitude, cognitive ability and habits. And habits is the biggest, most underrated one. So the more we can be delivering exclusive, you know, more inclusive adverts that attract more diversity in, and then assessing around the forward future predictors around attitude, around um, cognitive ability and habits, the far, far better we'll be and the far more likely we'll be to uncover some of those jagged resumes like the sports person who's now ready to become an accountant. I love that. That's, that's it's getting re We're getting such good practical advice as well as the visionary stuff here. So thank you, Andrew. Um, a really tough, a really tough question to answer because I love um, John Amici's uh, definition of, of white privilege which is it doesn't mean that um, if if you're white that you have not had a hard life it just accept it is accepting that certain people in society have had a different start to you and that's just want to give that context of what I understand white privilege to be um, thanks to John Amici um, and do check that out on the BBC if you're trying to look into that subject but someone could say to me and you if they were listening you've both got these stories where you've quit your jobs and they could say to us, well, that that's part of your, that, that's part of both your privilege and the fact that you just felt that you could do that. And there's systems and things to support us. What, what if you're coming from um, a background where you don't have as many perceived advantages as us? Do you have people that come through your program through the business where that, because, because some people have just got, they've got no runway, they've got no extra money. They are just fighting to pay the bills. Um, and what we're talking about is a privilege, aka just quitting your job and so on. Have you have you got any advice on that at all, Andrew? Yeah. And first of all, I would say that the privilege is very real. And the older I get, the more my eyes are opened to that. And collaborating with some of the other change makers as part of this LinkedIn campaign and finding out a bit more about their own journeys has been fantastic. And I think we all have a responsibility not to fix the world by any stretch, but at least to have an appetite to learn rather yeah. than discount what people are experiencing. And yeah. I think I think if everybody like us just went in with their eyes and ears open with the, you know, with the viewpoint that they were there to learn more about these things, yeah. then we'd be all the better. Um, so that's kind of my my overall context. In terms of people's specific um challenges in individuals i would always try to find role models and people that have come from where you've come from or have faced similar things and everyone's unique but yeah. have managed but have managed to find a way to navigate their lack of privilege and manage to stack the chips in their favor and to achieve social mobility and, and get what they wanted in from a fulfillment point of view so again i would always go to mentors i think the more you, time you can spend with people that have lived that journey and you'll be amazed how generous people are like there's right. this I, there's this idea when you go up that oh, there's no way i could there's no way i could drop them a note 
because yeah. there's no way that well actually if you drop 10 people a note you'll probably get a couple of replies right so oh, well i had to prove so you know i've been listening we send them a voice note and we got three times more chance of them replying <laughs> bang on yeah exactly you love a stat don't you so i'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not surprised out of everything that, that stuck so I, th I think going to people that have already done it is correct and mm. and i th and i think it's a mixture of um of you know ex ex pragmatism and acceptance around what you can and can't do from a security point of view but also as i said earlier things like linkedin you can build a personal brand in a democratized way that can generate opportunity for you yeah. that's just that's just a case of having a habit of paying into that ecosystem on a consistent basis in a way that adds value and builds an audience that attracts opportunity so uh, whilst the societal barriers are still there i think technology is offering routes to market, routes to mentors, routes to people who've already made the change that you want to see. And I think you need to give yourself permission wherever possible to, to go and get after it. I love, I love that. Um, so we're going into, into the last question. This has gone so quick. Um, I've learned so much, Andrew. Um, going back to that um, image before where we were imagining us 15 years ago in a bar or whatever, if you were to, to try and travel back 15, 20 years, what what one bit of career advice would you, would you give um, little Andrew? Yeah, so without question, pick a leader, not a job, mm. would would be the one bit of career advice I would give a young person because it's become incredibly clear to me having you know running a career coaching organisation and working with people in transition etc. That actually the number one most important part in terms of our development and fulfilment is the person that we work directly for. And I think too much, particularly early in our career, we get seduced by brands, we get seduced by yeah, presidents club trips to Ibiza, we get seduced by um, yeah, obviously package, which is important to a level, but yeah, package. And um, actually what we need to be prioritizing is picking the leader that we need. And it might not always be the one that we want or are most friendly with, it's the one that we most need that's gonna get the best out of us and is gonna, gonna nurture us in our career. Yeah. I absolutely love that. Um, and it, do you talk to your children at this stage of their ages? Do you started talking to them about careers and stuff like that? I know it's very young, but I know some people do believe in getting a conversation early. Um, not so much in careers, although because we're like you running our own thing and we're working from home and, you know, we're in and out of flexible office space they are exposed to what we're doing and they do show an interest, which is awesome. But more yeah. my more my focus um, with my children is around character and and values and and also self-esteem. And so yeah. I, I do a lot of work with them trying to make sure that they've got a strong self-concept because I think that's probably the best gift I can give them. And whatever they do career-wise, I think if they've got a strong self-concept, then they'll have a better chance of fulfillment than not. Um, I love that. Um, such good advice. And <laughs> I've taken that advice on as a parent myself, Andrew. And um, just in terms of your, your your business, can you just take us through the um, the business model? How does it work? Like if someone's listening to this and they're like, oh, wow, that, I need some of that. How, what, what do we do? No, no, thanks for the opportunity. So um, so we, our website's www.execcareerjump.com. So that's E-X-E-C careerjump.com. And in essence, we help in three ways. So if you're looking to jump into a new role, we've got digital courses and career coaching to help with job searching. If you're looking to jump up um, in terms of getting more out of your career, getting more clarity, becoming a better leader, we've got digital courses and options there. 
And if you're looking to jump off and set up your own business, we've got um, coming in the new year, we've got a, a business launcher course. We've helped 30 people in the last 12 months go wow. from having a thought to being bought and, and going on that whole journey, which has been great fun. Yeah. And more and more people are going that route. So no matter where people are on the career cycle, we've got all that stuff. And we do a lot of work with corporates as well in terms of outplacement or training around things like interviewing or personal branding. So yeah, go check us out. I'm really happy to have any follow-up discussions. And then, Andrew, if people are thinking about if people are thinking about budgets and th this kind of stuff, like if someone is really miserable and it's impact, it's Mental Health Awareness Week um, or, or day this weekend, um, what what do people typically pay for the, for to to get involved with your organisation? Well, we, we we've got things that uh, we've got subscription levels from forty nine pounds to a thousand pounds, right? So yeah. it's quite inclusive there. Also, if you know if you're tight on budget and um, you're struggling. We've got a load of free resources as well. So we've got a YouTube channel, uh, the Job Search Coach, that you can go on there. We've got um, a whole content hub on our website that people can access for free. And every Thursday we go live on LinkedIn at twelve fifteen with Job Search Hacks Live, which yeah. is we've done seventy odd um, seventy odd episodes off now. We get hundreds of people, a strong community. So if uh, if budgets are tight and you're looking for some more input and you're in transition, then please take full full use of all of that. Well, one thing I'd, I'd like to offer to any of our listeners, the first person that, that has listened to this and um, contacts Andrew, we will put £1,000 towards that from the Happiness Index. So we didn't agree this before, but I was just thinking how important this work is. So um, if you just drop me a note when the first person gets in touch, Andrew, and we'll, we will sponsor, hopefully, turning their misery into happiness, which is which is what our joint 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 we're not a joint company but together that i think that'd be something cool if we could do that okay i'll tell you what we'll match it so the first person to get in touch wow. can have <laughs> can have a, a, a free month of the top subscription on you and then a free month on us let's do that as a joint initiative that's a, a really great um outcome from the podcast brilliant and maybe this will be the trilogy going back to the tyson fury maybe if this person who you don't know who they are gets in touch maybe the three of us can catch up um when this has happened so if you are feeling miserable at work, please get in touch with Andrew and we're going to both sponsor it. That's amazing for that offer. Cheers for that, Matt. That's awesome. No worries. Thanks for your time. Take care.